0: Hello, and welcome to episode 16 of the CoinPress podcast. I'm Luke Willis. Today, I'm joined by Light Lighthacker, CEO of Splinterlands. Welcome. Hey, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me, Luke. Absolutely, glad to have you. So today we're talking about accessibility of blockchain gaming, play to earn, and of course, Splinterlands. So uh, Agrod or Aggie, uh, can you explain a little bit to people listening what is Splinterlands? Sure.
1: Uh, Splinterlands is a trading card game. Uh, and it's built using blockchain technology. So it lets our gamers play any time, trade any time, and earn every win. So we we have prize pools, and players are able to earn a variety of uh, fungible and non-fungible tokens for, for successfully winning matches in our ecosystem.
0: Very cool. Yeah, and, and Splinterlands, I believe, is the uh, most popular play-to-earn game on blockchain today. Is that still correct?
1: Yeah, the last time I looked, uh, I... I my uh resource of choice for that is dap radar okay. and last time i looked at that radar we were sitting over five hundred thousand daily active accounts playing and our nearest competitor was alien worlds and they were somewhere down in the three hundred thousand.
0: so we're we're up there by quite a bit nice um yeah i mean so i guess what do you think is really the um the competitive edge you have that really attracts people to, to the game. Do you think it's the gameplay? Do you think it's the the cost to play? Since you know it's fairly cheap to get started, or I'm just curious what your take is there.
1: Um, so when we design our games, we design our games around three core aspects. We want community, we want game mechanics, and economy. Those are the the three areas that we build around. So for community, we have a Discord with over hundred thousand people in it. And it's active. I mean, people are talking in that thing all the freaking time, uh, complaining about this rule set, that thing not happening enough, price of that card too high, price of that too low, whatever. They're, they're just talking about this thing all the time. But it's like a full community of people that you can engage with, communicate with, that are crypto-literate, savvy, and gamers. So it's a, it's a really good match for, for people that are into this kind of thing. It's a great community. Uh, for, for the economy, you know, we've, we've – i can't tell you like i get i got a bunch of these emails i get i get sent pictures of i got a few of my favorites i got sent a picture of a bed and the guy said i'm no longer sleeping on the floor thanks to this game thanks for making it uh i had another one where the guy was like showing me the side of his house in the middle of the philippines being like if you see all this work getting done it's because of splinterlands that i'm able to afford this um but on the, on the other end, I've had people email me and say, like, hey, dude, I'm a, I'm a millionaire now. Thank you for this. I've never had this kind of fortune before, uh, and it's because of Lands. Thank you so much. I'm really grateful. P.S. Please write tax software. Um, <laughs> so, you know, with, uh, my goal on the economy side is to make sure that from the smallest minnow to the biggest whale, there's an opportunity in this game that if you are an active, smart participant, that there's ways for you to earn uh, and then the the other piece, and I think this is a big one, and, and probably one of the differentiators for us, is really just the um, the gameplay. Yeah, you know, this is not grind to earn. This is not click to win. This is not you know. This is a strategy game, and it's a fast paced strategy game. Uh, but it's really good. You know, there's there's a lot of. Uh, a lot of ways that the rules tweak and it's competitive, so you're always battling against somebody else to earn these prizes. We do tournaments with hundreds, if not you know, over a thousand people in them. You know, this is not like a cash lottery. This is, you know, the people that are that are skilled earn. And and I think, you know, I, I just had a guild. We we do uh, our own town halls or AMAs every week, and I just had a guild come on that was just like so adamant of like we play in all of these spaces and like. Above everybody else, Splinterlands is really the most like rich gameplay out of any of these things. We're not grind to earn; we're play to earn. I think that's a big differentiator for us.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Um, I mean, I've I've played a fair bit of Magic: The Gathering and Hearthstone, and so it's a pretty easy connection to what you're doing with um, with Splinterlands. So it's cool. I think the the gameplay. I mean, so if, if you're familiar with blockchain. Yeah, that's ahead. reflected in our audience, that exact sentiment of
1: like, you know, the, the most common thing that you hear is not going to be like, well, I worked at Morgan Stanley for three years back in the late 2015. You right. know, no, no, they all say I was on the Magic Pro Tour from 2009 to 2012. Like, it seems like everybody in our Discord has some kind of like professional card game experience. I mean, not all of them, obviously, but it's sure. like, that's a, that's a really repetitive theme. So um, that's our audience. Our audience is like hardcore gamer nerds that love this stuff and that who happen to find their way to crypto too.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's a, so that's a fairly small segment of humanity, right? People who played uh, card games hardcore and now are also interested in crypto. Obviously, that's yeah, it, a growing... Community.
1: It's not as bad as you might think. I mean, like Hearthstone had... I don't know if it's current or at its peak but something like 3.5 million daily active users. Wow. So, you know, that's that's not nothing, you know. We are are we're, we're, we're capping up at like 511,000. Sure. So even even just to get up to Hearthstone levels that'd be like a 7x increase in our game size, which right oh that feels like a lot of growth, that and a lot of growth potential. You know, that's a lot of untapped players and I don't even know what it is for magic, but uh you know, we're, we're there's, there's many, many millions of people that play this, and even though we are a mid-sized game now, you know, there's still, we're not, I, I, I've i been saying to myself that, like, the one million mark, when we hit one million registered users, we hit mainstream, but we hit, like, the very bottom of mainstream, you know, we're, we're, like, grinding our way along the bottom, like, we still, there's still plenty of room to become, like, a a giant, formidable, you know, powerhouse in the gaming
0: company or the gaming world. Right. Yeah, I mean, there's there's plenty of money to be made as a business uh, running a game like this without getting to huge numbers of players. So it's, yeah. I mean, clearly, like, the, the people in blockchain space, are, there's a fair number of whales who probably played Magic. And so that alone is probably enough to sustain a company. So um, interesting. So I am curious, then, uh, what's really, what do you think is the... The biggest detractor for people coming in. What what do you hear as feedback about? Oh, I didn't like this. I didn't like that. um, Or or people who are not interested, but maybe could be a good fit. What what do you hear, feedback-wise? I I think there's a lot, and and it's not just like Splinterlands.
1: So getting it crypto is hard. You know, crypto is really hard for people to wrap their head around. And then there's even like some fun out there about crypto and proof of work and NFTs. So, like, you have to get through all that noise to even be able to, like, really check this thing out. We don't market a ton, so you're not going to, like, see us on YouTube videos pop up. So you kind of have to find us organically. That's kind of tricky, too. Um, so, you know, just getting to the discovery process with us can be a bit of a challenge. And then, you know, trying to figure out how do I store my keys and how do I operate a blockchain account? And, you know, this thing is different and it feels different and It's and it's weird. Um, and then, like, when you start, when you, like... Yeah, people people kind of expect like Lambos when they start playing. Oh, it's play to earn. Like, so right. I play a game and I get a Lambo, right? right? It's like, well, no, you know, you actually have to stake something. You have to participate, and then they say, well, it's just play to win. Then it's like, no, it's not pay to win. You know, you're you're staking against other people. You're participating. You're you're battling. Like, uh there's like a pay spectrum, but you know. People, I think, kind of expect to come in here and get their Lambo on day one. And the reality is you kind of have to grind your way to the top. You can't just like – most people can't walk in here and be extremely skillful on the first day. I think that's another thing that's, that's tricky about our game. You know, I, I want to get into making some more like casual games or hyper-casual games because I feel like uh, you know our, our company mission is to onboard as many people in crypto as possible. It's not – you know we, we make a bunch of money while doing that, but our number one goal is not money – generation our number one goal is getting normies into crypto and so when you get into splinterlands splinterlands is a really rich game i mean it's a really sophisticated tricky card game you know they're like the 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 players will tell you it's hard to win it's hard to battle it's hard to make it all the way up into champion it's hard to get the right cards like there's this whole mechanism of this thing that is tricky i mean that's part of what makes it so amazing and so uh robust and and reliable and like why so many people choose to participate here, but that all of that is also friction too. So like the more complicated we make things like really it gets a lot more interesting, but then, you know, your your like onboarding pathway gets higher. So part of what we're thinking about doing is in addition to having games like Splinterlands, we really want to make some like hyper-casual games that are just like, all right, you know, how do I get a, how do I get a blockchain account? How do I store keys? How do I, and like, Take even some of the playing back down to like, all right, let's just play match three games, you know, Candy Crush style stuff. Let's just go do, let's do not brainless activity, but like way lower cognitive load to get started. You don't need to spend three months trying to figure out how to be a really good Candy Crush player. You know, right. like, um, so I don't know. That's 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 some of our focus of, you know, when I think about what are the, the tricks and troubles with this, it's that blockchain's hard. Uh, and getting here can be hard and tricky and then sticking with the motivation when you only have like a dollar stake is hard all of that is 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 what makes this ecosystem weird and unique uh, and and managing people's expectations of no you don't get a lambo on your first day when you bought like two cards right it, it, it takes a little bit more stake and a little more skill and a little more time to start um to start finding your way of how you earn but that said like as far as I can tell, at, at various points, we've generated something like three dozen millionaires. So, you know, I, I, I don't know how many millionaires like Hearthstone generated. In <laughs> fact, I've never heard anybody talk about that or Magic for that matter. So um, so that, that to me is a little different, especially for our, you know, relatively new company. I think that's quite a milestone, you know, and there's like tons of free to play games company out there, you know. I don't know how many times somebody, you know, most of the time when you go and look at like the studies that happen, that if you make a purchase in a free to play game company, you're like uh, 54 or 60 percent say I regret having made that purchase. Mm -hmm. And in in blockchain and gaming over here, you know, most of the guys are uh, lamenting I should have bought more. (laughs) So (laughs) uh, it's, it's a nice delta compared to what I've
0: seen in sort of our stepsister industries. Yeah, that's interesting. Because, yeah, it's it's very much... Um, it, you If you're playing a game that doesn't have a blockchain backing it, if you spend a whole lot of time or a lot of money on the game and eventually you decide, I don't want to play this anymore, that money's just gone. Yeah, wasted. All yeah. wasted. But with Splinterlands or any other game that's on blockchain, you can take everything you built up and go sell it and move over to some other game. And Yeah, my, my part. My partner
1: has a line about that that he likes of, um, you know, w- the funniest comment he, he hears is, I'm so sick of this game. I'm leaving. And as I'm leaving, I'm only making a small profit. And say, <laughs> we're just like, <laughs> well, you know, that that entire sentence is amazing. The fact that you can leave, the fact that, like, it might not be the perfect fit for you. The fact that you can leave with a profit on your cards or what you bought, like every single part of that is like, you know, we wish that people wouldn't leave, but we freaking nailed it as a company in terms of helping people get to that spot where they have asset ownership and they can make decisions around what they're going to do with their cards and, and their uh, collection, you know, that that's up to them. And the fact that, you know, they can leave having earned or having gotten some card appreciation or whatever, like all of that's pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Let's talk a little bit about the the Summoner's Spellbook. Uh, so this is your the way to bring on new players when they officially start playing and earning cards. Um, it's ten bucks, and then you're you're decentralized at that point. You own what you what you get. You get your NFTs, you get your uh, crystals and everything, and it all winds up in your wallet. Um, how many? I, I'm curious what your what's your conversion rate of people like playing a sample game. And then eventually getting the, the spell book and actually becoming a member of the community.
1: Yeah, um, I don't know. It changes with the day and with the, uh, it, it changes a little freaking time, frankly. <laughs> I've had I've had days where we've had, um, you yeah. know, 100% signups, which wow. have been sort of absurd. I, I think recently with like crypto being a little bit lower, it's closer to 10%. Sure uh if i had to if i had to guess it's something like 30 40% which you know it, it, to to get to your first purchase in like a standard game you would expect it to be something like 1% and if you're right. doing really good it's 2% right um so my my bad days at 10% like that's pretty that's a that's a nice starting point
0: yeah it's that's crazy um interesting so if you're not paying terribly much tension to, to conversion. What metrics are are interesting to you when you're looking at players and trying to figure out where to devote your effort? And that sort of well, thing.
1: Yeah, don't get me wrong. The things that are, it, it, it's just, it's a weird industry where the numbers go up and down and that sure. we're in, uh, I think that there's parts of this market cycle that are much bigger than what we do. You know, sure. We're kind of like um, a little small sailboat in the middle of an ocean in a hurricane. And being like, yeah, what we do can matter, but like, you know, the giant tidal waves and the gale winds are more of an indicator of what's around us than just like what we can do in our dinghy. You know, like that's, that's a little self-deprecating for this company, but hopefully it, it just, it's just meant to impart that like there's much bigger market forces at play than just us. And those market forces really impact what happens to our business. Um, so we are, we are driven as much by like the price of Bitcoin as almost anything else that's out there. Right. Um, and, you know, we do our best to to grow. So that just kind of gives a little bit of context. But the the other piece to this is like, when we're the, the KPIs that I measure the most are like the key performance indicators, the things that I, I really think are essential. We are looking at like just how many new player signups do we get? And then I'm wondering, um, you know, what's, what's my, what's my retention on those people. And then how much are, is each player spending, you know, that those are kind of the metrics that, you know, new lifeblood, lifeblood sticking around. And, and then the, how does that equate into money? You know, sure. those are the things that I need to be able to run this business. You know, that doesn't mean that like, you know, on, on, on some levels, you have to be kind of cold and calculating and just be like, tell me about the financials of this business. You know, like uh, I, I I would be very surprised if uh, the guys that are like the hardcore players say that's all Aggie cares about. But th- those are the things that I monitor
0: for the success and health of the business. Gotcha. Okay. Very cool. Um. Yeah. I mean, th- there's definitely obviously the game matters too, right? It's not all money. Um, but yeah, it, it's interesting because when you bring in crypto, you have to look at both, right? Because it's the economy aspect. That was one of your your three legs of the stool. Right. Um, cool. All right. So let's see. So you mentioned that blockchain is uh, complicated, right? And so that's probably one of the biggest sources of, um, I guess, friction for people coming in. They need to understand at least at a rudimentary level, what they're getting themselves into. And so I'm curious how you tackle that. I know you're on the the hive blockchain. Um can you speak a little more about why that is and and why you think that's a good choice for uh for this specific game and, and and really how you ended up there?
1: Yeah, so back in 2018 when we started our project, there were very limited options for blockchains, very limited uh successful dapps, really not any. <laughs> so <laughs> we uh oops, sorry. sorry. So right. we we were trying to go figure all this stuff out and um, you know, so we're having, we're having this meeting, uh, when we're, when we're starting the game and we're looking at crypto kitties kind of explode, um, um, the Ethereum blockchain. Right. And so we, we said a couple of things. We said NFTs are amazing, uh, but they need utility and we really shouldn't build it on Ethereum. So okay. for years, people kept asking this questions like, why didn't you idiots build this on Ethereum? They didn't say it like that, but that's kind of their... Their main question, um, and we probably would have made more cash faster had we done that. Right. But you know, our our mission as a business is not make as much cash as possible, uh, or at least it's not in the very short term. the The question to us is, how do we build a mainstream application? And it was evidence to us, uh, particularly because of the gas fees on Ethereum, that that wouldn't be sustainable even back in 2018. And that the scalability of the Ethereum blockchain for mainstream gaming projects was not was going to be an issue
0: as well. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and you think that gas fees are probably the the main reason for that. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, yeah,
1: because it also, you know, you you're, the, the show is a bit about accessibility. So let's talk about accessibility when you have to own crypto to start. Right. Right. Now you have to go to you have to go to Coinbase, you have to go get Ethereum. You have to uh, and when working with Coinbase, you probably have to give a bunch of your bank info, which is not pleasant. Then you have to download MetaMask and then you have to transfer your funds from uh, Coinbase to MetaMask. Right. And then log in to make your first purchase, which is going to have like $120 to $200 of gas fee put into that. So you can go purchase this smart contract NFT object in a game uh, and it might not even go through so that's your that's your starting point, and that, and to me that is not a user friendly starting point. So uh, when I'm looking at uh, blockchains that we like, you know, we really like um, things that don't have gas fees, right. uh, and that's that's not the prevalent way that things are done. The prevalent way that things are done is well, if you want to if you want to use the chain, you better pay. But I I, I think that ends up being extremely limiting. And, uh, and that's not a very good user experience. So that's one of the reasons that we're on Hive is like, you know, we, we can manage it so that you can, uh, put in a username and a password and swipe a credit card and you're, you're
0: good to go from right that point on. Right. And that, that's been advantageous to us. <clears throat> that's good. Um, I'm curious. So that was. 2018 when you when you landed on Hive now you're you're looking at building additional games maybe some more casual games Um, what other are you all in on Hive or are you looking at other chains as well I
1: mean we'll look at other chains they gotta they gotta make sense
0: Um, right you know the key criteria
1: is fast block times um, and no gas fees. I mean, those are, those are really the two big ones, because if you have slow, like imagine you play a game and you don't know until like 10 minutes later, whether you won or lost, like that's, that's not very good for a a gaming system. So you need fast block times. Um, You know, I, I I don't think you need hyper fast ones. So maybe that's just because of the type of game that I run, but like, um, you know, hive being at three seconds is about right. Because if I go and I load like CNN or MSNBC or Fox or any other kind of like mainstream news website, it's going to take me like three to five seconds to load. So if my block time is in that like, you know, two, one one to three seconds, maybe even one to four seconds, like that's probably okay because that's kind of like the internet speed anyways. You know, it, it's not, it's not killing me too much. It, you know, the second that you get to like six or seven seconds on a website, now you start asking like, is my internet working? Is, is stuff okay? You know, like, so as long as you're kind of underneath that for your, for your user experience, I think it can function. And, and, you know, users are going to have to get used to the fact that like, you know, there's going to be a little bit of lag if you're using blockchain technology and public infrastructure, um, yeah. But you know, if it's if it's within that, you know, three to six second experience, then I think it's fine and it doesn't, doesn't seem to hurt anybody.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. Um, I used to do work on like website performance for large companies. And um the the initial page load you always try to get super fast, right? But if you're trying to do some operation and it takes three seconds, as long as you show like, you know, a nice spinner or something like that, people are okay with that. So yeah, yeah, makes sense to me. Cool. Um, so let's see. So we talked about uh, blockchain. Uh, so you you did mention that your audience is largely like already gamers and already kind of blockchain um, native. They they use the blockchain today. So if your if your company mission is to bring on more people to blockchain. How do you, like, what's next for you, for, for the game, for your other games that uh, you think is necessary to, to bring in people who don't already know about blockchain, where Splinterlands is their first interaction with a blockchain?
1: Yeah, so one of, one of the things, what, what Splinterlands as a company and as a business and as a project is really good at is digitizing, tokenizing, and monetizing intellectual property and in communities that exist. Um, so that that's kind of like our technology uh, framework that we provide. And I think that's a pretty amazing benefit. What we are not astounding at is just like getting millions of people aggregated overnight. Um, sure. And so what I like to do is find people that have aggregated large audiences that may at times struggle to tokenize what they're doing and partner with them. Um, so one, one good example of this is we recently uh, put out a whole bunch of press releases around uh, a partnership with Warner Music Group. Now, Warner Music Group, to the best of my knowledge, is like a 35 to 37 percent market share leader in music and in like the top billboard chart musicians. Um, and if you start rattling off famous bands, you basically have a one in three chance that they're managed by uh, Warner. And so we're, we're putting out uh, content with them. We haven't been too, too specific about what that's going to look like. Um, but, you know, we what I think is the appeal, they're trying to get into the Web 3.0 and blockchain, and we're trying to to get groups that have already aggregated large user bases and have, you know, loyal uh, consumers, loyal fans, loyal people that we can kind of like pull into our ecosystem. And I think that there's a there's a nice marriage of these two companies there gotcha um so national brands that's my that's my answer get the biggest freaking brands and the biggest freaking um influencers and stars and whatever else that we can do and build partnerships with them and um and i think as we do that we can help them
0: get more money and they can help us get more audience and that's a pretty sweet trade interesting um it seems like that would be a natural fit for like esports, right?
1: Yep. Yeah, we have a we have a whole esports division that we're doing our best to boot up. Now we've given away something like five million dollars in tournaments. Nice. So um so come play tournaments with us, come earn a whole bunch of money and uh join our esports scene.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean I, I think the really the differentiator for play to earn games on blockchain is you don't have to be in the esports circuit to make money off this. You can be a smaller player and still walk away with profit. So it's cool. Yep. Um, so let's see. The, the 3 You mentioned the three legs at the beginning. I'm trying to remember what they were. There was... Economy, community, and game mechanics. Got it. Okay. So for the, the economy aspect, uh, obviously Splinterlands has NFTs for the cards, um, as well as, I believe, two currencies. Yep, right? that's right. You're doing right. great. <laughs>
1: Thanks.
0: Um, so, what led to to that decision? Why two currencies? What um, What do you think was the most important part of designing the economy where you ended up where you are today with the different tokens? Yeah,
1: I mean, th- th- this thing, this thing, we've we've really had to like figure out a lot of what we're doing as we're going. Uh, Because there's not a playbook. There's not a playbook of like how to do play to earn. Honestly, I think we're writing it. Um, So one of the pieces is we wanted something fairly stable that users could use. Well, first off, we needed needed some kind of prize that players could earn. So Dark Energy Crystals was originally introduced as a prize so that players could earn it. Um, And at at first we thought, oh, maybe this would be something that appreciates in value over time. But more and more, we found that the player, we, we started by providing a soft peg for it. And so players could always spend a thousand dark energy crystals. And at a minimum, it would always be accepted by the game at $1. Sure. Um, and and that, that meant that if, you know, if it went down to half, if, it, if the value was half that, like you basically just got a 50% discount on whatever you were buying with us. So rather than like spend other currencies with us, they buy it on the market and then they pay us in that. And it would like raise the price up to be much more stable. And over time, you know, there's lots of stable back currencies out in the world and people are trying to figure out, you know, it's, it's easy when you have like a ton of demand for something to go keep it, you know, just print more when it's over a dollar to go keep the price flat. What's harder is uh, elevating the price when it's down because nobody wants it then right like and and there's not there's not like mechanisms that you can do to destroy circulation maybe the like printing amount comes down but a lot of projects don't have a way to like I don't know restore pricing and using yeah. it as a uh currency that's basically backed by future assets of the game like that's worked out really well it, it's provided a, a pretty uh, like um, a pretty consistent experience for both the company and the players. You know, sometimes we'll see dips and sometimes we'll see it go uh, above one. But honestly, it's been pretty good. Uh, and it, and what that does, you know, th- like there's a there's some travesty on like Ethereum and OpenSea where like let's say you have like a board ape. Right. And, and this thing is worth, you know, two hundred thousand dollars and you you put it up for sale for a certain amount of Ethereum And then for whatever reasons, market conditions come down and the Ethereum is worth less. So you got, you you wanted 20 ETH and you got your 20 ETH, but now it's literally worth half of what you had previously asked for. And not having a stable currency with which to transact is, and if you weren't like paying attention that entire time can actually be pretty expensive for somebody. Mm -hmm. So we like having this kind of stable value currency because it, it's really good for, for buyers and sellers and traders because they get some sense of what I list it for today is what it will be worth tomorrow. And that hasn't worked out perfectly for us, but, you know, it, it, we're still experimenting with this and how to make it better. And we have some plans that we think we can roll out later this year of how to make it even stronger. Um, but that's that's a lot of what we wanted as a stable. We wanted a way to provide prize incentive for players. And we wanted some kind of currency to make it easy for our gamers to transact with each other. Um, Then the second currency we added was a governance token and these are Splinter Shards. Um, And Splinter Shards, we're, we're really, we want to own, we want to have been the creators of the first decentralized video game ever created. Where like, you know, it's the players that make the decisions. And, and maybe what they'll do is they'll pay us to be like developers of this project. Yeah. I mean, we are major stakeholders and we've been here from the beginning, but we want to move away from being the owners of Splinterlands to being like the operators or like the, the blockchain technology firm that, that enables player choices. And that, um, you know, we, we want to do development and we want to support this game, but we don't, we, we don't just want to run the damn thing. Like, like we're, we're the, where the C corp and we make all the decisions to hell with players. Like, that's really not our mentality. Our mentality is like, how do we build the most decentralized gaming platform the world has ever seen? And how do we give as much um, freedom and um, power and influence and agency to our players as we can? And so sure. we built this governance token. Um, and we're, we find that we like, we had our initial launch of this thing and, and, um, and we had a, like a whole bunch of growth that we've had to deal with, and we're we're getting more and more of the features, or getting closer to, to putting the groundwork so that all the voting can happen the way that we want, and that the the stakeholders can make decisions. So one one of those examples would be like you know I, I mentioned that we've given away millions of dollars of tournament prizes. Well, how sure. do you how do you do that? Do you give it all the minnows? Do you give it all the whales? Do you how many are for just the current edition? Well, what about the past edition? And, you know, we as a company have set up with influence and some uh, decisions from the players what we think it should look like. And, you know, we've argued and gotten to what I think is a pretty good spot. Um, But that doesn't mean that that's the right answer. It just means that that's the answer that we all found that we could support. Um, But what I'd really like to do is hand the whole damn thing over to the community and be like, all right, guys, you decide. You know, we'll have a vote and we'll decide and we'll participate but when I say you, I really mean all of us and have it be less of, well, you know, if, if the price goes down, the, the meme is devs do something, you know, like here, I, I don't want it to be devs do something. I want it to be community do something, make your own choices. You know, we, we can facilitate things and we think we're pretty good at this. Hopefully you'll listen to us as like, you know, pretty major voices in this community. But ultimately, no, no, no! This is your baby, guys. You, you're the owners. We operate it. Tell us, tell us what you want, and let's make this stuff happen.
0: I like that. I mean, that's important for any company wanting to. Who actually cares about decentralization, right? You can't be the central point of failure for your whole game, right? Um, so yeah, that's interesting. Um, so the the governance token. You mentioned like uh, tournament running and and the prize pools and all that. Uh, what else are you looking to, to give control over to the community? As much as possible. I mean, this is not like a,
1: it, it's, it's more like as soon as we build it we, want it, we want it over to the community to make decisions. So another yep. example would be like uh, some of the stats on the cards. Sometimes the players complain that a card is too powerful or too weak. Um, well, don't say devs do something like, organize a community and say, this card is too powerful. Let's nerf it. Sure. And then get a community vote to say, okay, let's nerf it. You know, our, our, we, we generally, we, you know, we, we've nerfed a couple cards and we try not to do it anymore. We try to, like, add counters to something. Right. But, you know, if the players want certain rules changed or certain aspects of this, like, when, when the entire system is is spun up the way we want... You know, the, the players get to make every single choice about the rules. Right. And it's sort of like, you know, in, anywhere in the game where it says it does this much damage, you know, make that more of like a variable, you know, make it so that the, the players are like, it does X damage. Well, I want it to do Y damage because I think that's more fair and more consistent. All right, well, I'll go get enough community members together that agree with you and let's change it to that. But not, but not because the devs want it the devs wanting something is not an appropriate answer for a big community project like this. Right. You know, like we might, we might spot things and we might have feedback and we should be leaders in this because we're, we're so invested and we put in years and years into this thing and it's our full-time gig, but it it shouldn't just be us. This should be a community decision of how like literally every single part of the code runs. And, right. you know, we want other people running the the core nodes of how this game operates And we want the like, um, we want a consensus algorithm that allows our community to make changes to every single piece of this software. And hopefully the community kicks out dumb ideas and we don't just get violated by bad actors. I don't think that we will, but you know, that's, that's one of the dangers when you hand something over entirely to the community, but on the plus side, you know, there's so much more ownership. There's so much more agency. There's so much more of like the players taking control for themselves that happens when we do this. And, and I'm really excited for, for that aspect and watching how that plays out.
0: Very cool. No, that's great. Um, awesome. Well, we're approaching uh, the end of the time here. Uh, I, I did want to ask when it comes to the gameplay and the, the strategic elements and where, uh, just, you know, the way the game plays, um, what was your, your main inspiration for the way you built it? Because obviously yeah, I mean, there's, there's constraints, right? But I'm curious how you got to where you are.
1: Um, I think one of the, uh, there's a couple practical things and a couple realistic things. Um, or just like what, what was on the ground at the time. And, and some of that was strategic. So like, you know, Hearthstone is an amazing game put out by Blizzard, which is one of like, you know, the most amazing video game companies that's been created ever. And like competing directly against that seemed kind of like a dumb idea, right? Like there, there is a version that I would say is a, is a Hearthstone clone built on blockchain and it's clunkier, it's not as fun, it's not as easy and it has a really small audience. And like, okay, well that's probably not the best project. They even had people that were like senior VPs from that world and raised a bunch of money from that world. And it hasn't, it hasn't been remarkably successful because it's really hard to out Hearthstone Hearthstone when using blockchain. Like right. that. just all of that was kind of a non-starter to us. So we wanted to make, my, my goal was to make something where you look at it and you say, I know what that is, it's a trading card game. And then you start playing it and you're like, this doesn't operate like anything else I've played before. And that that was the goal. So uh, with that, we, we decided we wanted these kind of like asynchronous matches where like the rule set would decide the outcome. And for a lot of Magic players initially, that was a turnoff. Like, they'd turn up their nose of like, well, I don't get to play card by card. How dare they? This game was stupid. And then, But something would keep them engaged. And then after a while, they would like flip a switch and be like, okay, I really like this. And and it's because like doing – for a lot of us, like especially Matt and I complained about Hearthstone of like you get into the top range. Both Matt and I became like top 5% of the world players. Yeah. Uh, So not professional, not amazing, but, you know, pretty damn good at that game. And we would play and we would be like, it gets really frustrating because at the end of a season in like a certain meta, there's only five decks you can play and you have to grind out those five decks. Yeah. And that's that's not a lot of fun. And then it's really just like who who gets to have their little like magic trick to go do 20 points of damage in a turn pop before the other guy. Right. And, it, and it had more to do with luck than skill. Like if you could play badly and you would lose, but if you played the way the deck's supposed to run, it was kind of like a luck-based thing of who would actually uh, pan out. True. And like none of that to us was fun. And those games could take like 20, 40 minutes to play. And I don't know, we, we just wanted something that was a lot more about strategy. The strategy part for us was fun. And so we wanted something that's quick that, you know, you could play on the toilet, you could play on a bus ride, and you could take like... You know, kind of like a smoke break length of time, not such something short that you could fit inside your day where it's not like, you know, uh, sorry, spouse. I'm here for the next 45 minutes doing okay. this and I'm unavailable. Right. Right. You know, so we just we just wanted something that played a little faster. Um, and so for all for those reasons, and it turns out that it works really well with blockchain, because like if you have to verify, you know, every single click and every single thing, it takes a lot of resources and a lot of that doesn't belong on chain when you're just like submitting teams that, that goes a lot faster and it's a lot easier to kind of put this whole thing together. Uh, and, and it's also just like a really nice, fun gameplay of like five minutes, make a strategy go. Right. So yeah. that's hopefully that gives you some sense of, we didn't want to directly compete with Hearthstone. We wanted it to be in the same genre. We wanted fast games and we wanted it where, it would be uh, heavy on strategy and constantly changing. We didn't want one set of cards that magically let you win. And right. so with all these criteria, this is where we,
0: where we landed. Cool. No, I like it. Um, yeah, it's definitely, it leans into the, basically the deck building step of, um, of the gameplay, which when I used to play Magic, that was where I spent most of my time, was just crafting up decks, right? Yeah.
1: That's yeah. the fun part, right? Like, you know, playing... Playing individual cards, you can have these kind of mini wins that are fine. Oh, I killed this big monster. That was cool. But yeah. like, you know, that, that's like the competitive spirit. But the real like intellectual uh, fun is not staring at your one card and your six untapped lands. You know, it's <laughs> like, you know, yeah. designing it so that you can be in that position of strength. And so we are, we are very heavy on the strategy and very light on the tactics uh, that was a strategic decision by us as a company in the design mode. And and I think so far it's panned out really well. I don't know that every single game that we do will act like that, but sure. certainly yeah. as we're starting and as we built this and as when we were looking at the criteria we had in mind, we think it made a lot more sense if it's still the right call. I I still really like the way that our game plays.
0: Very cool. So um What's next? What's on your roadmap for Splinterlands or for other games and timeline? Just curious.
1: <laughs> yeah, so we went from like ten employees to over a hundred since uh, June of, of last year. Wow. Uh, so it's been it's been pretty hectic just trying to get this whole thing up and running. Yeah. Um, yeah. So now we now we have four different product teams that are operating. So one of them is working on a transition to modern versus wild. So when you, one of the things that we need for new players to be able to come in is that you don't compete against the old alpha OGs that have been here forever with like every single card in the game. If that's your starting point, it makes it pretty non-competitive to be a new player. So what we're doing is we're breaking it out so that, you know, here's one league where you can participate with only the most recent edition of cards. And here's the wild format where you can use everything. And so that's part of it. We, we sold out of land um, and when we, so now we've been working pretty hard on getting our land expansion out, which is kind of like its entire own separate mini game, which is like a uh, resource management game that, sure. that's using a lot of the similar cards. So that's coming out. Um, land Modern First Wild uh, and Validator. So like our, our entire code base around how we do all the governance with SBS. Uh, those are the three big projects. We have a fourth team, which is like our rapid deploy team, which is like focused on just some quick fixes and and little changes here and there, some reward tweaks, tournament tweaks, you know, coming into the different systems and more like modifying existing stuff than, than writing whole new sets of code for things that don't exist yet. Uh, so those are the teams that are dedicated to the current Splinterlands products. And we have a, other teams that we're building for the non-Splinterlands products.
0: Very cool. Well, that's awesome. Um, Well, yeah, I I think we're just about out of time here. So, Aggie, I really appreciate you taking the time. This was a great discussion. Um, Excited to see what's coming up next on the pipeline. Um, So for people listening, where's the best place to find you, Splinterlands, and, and to get involved? Yeah.
1: Splinterlands.com. And then our, our two biggest communities are in discord and Telegram. So splinterland uh, discord.splinterlands.com or t.me slash splinterlands HQ. Uh, you can find us at, uh, on Twitter as at splinterlands. Uh, and then we're also on the high blockchain and we blog and we post our official announcements there. So peakd.com com slash at splinterlands. Um, and those are the places where, where folks can find me and find our whole community. Uh, and honestly, if you're not, it, I'm assuming that most people listening to this are already into crypto. Um, so, you know, you guys should all have a pretty easy time here. But if you're if you're trying to go onboard some users and get them some experience and they just can't figure out why they care or why they need it, you know, come send, us, send them here. We're a game. It's pretty easy to get it. Uh, come participate and hopefully
0: we can help onboard your buddies. Super awesome. All right. Well, that's all the time we have. So thank you very much, Agra. This was great. Yeah,
1: it's good times. Thanks for your time, Luke. And it's good to be able to speak with your audience. So thanks so much.
0: Absolutely. All right. Well, join me next week for the CoinPress podcast. I'll be talking to Bloomer, or Bloom Life Skills on Twitter. See you then.